This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Time now for Boston Blackie. 10 p.m. B-U-L-O-V-A, Boulevard Watch Time. For supreme accuracy, expert design, and outstanding value, choose a Boulevard. Masterpiece of fine watchmaking. W-E-A-F, New York. Lever Brothers, makers of Rinso, R-I-N-S-O, Soapy Rich Rinso, presents Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. Steve, I got my foot on the floor now. You gotta do something, then we'll never lose that car that's chasing us. Don't talk, lean out to see if they can hit a tire. Okay. Well? Missed. Hey, hey, watch that curb. I'll take care of the driving. Try it again. Uh, well, try and hold this bus steady, will you? I'm doing the best I can. I've been fighting this wheel for 20 minutes. Now, after I swing around that next curb, I'll slow up. Try and get that tire again. Okay. Here goes. I got her. I got her, Steve. She's heading right for the telegraph pole. What a crack-up. Them plainclothes cops in that car ain't gonna interrupt another one of our hijacked jobs. Plainclothes cops? Those ain't no cops. The driver of the car that just wrapped around the telegraph pole is Boston Braggy. <laughs> In a moment, we'll meet Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. And now, here is Chester Morris as Boston Blackie. Tell me, Blackie, uh, how does your wrist feel, huh? Oh, just a slight sprain, Shorty. But we're lucky. We might have been killed when those thugs got our front tire last night. <laughs> I thought for a moment we were killed. Hey, Blackie, let's stay up here in your apartment and mind our own business for a while, huh? huh? At least until I get over that shaken up I got you. Well, we weren't looking for trouble. We were just driving along and... Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Always that end. <laughs> That's what gets us into more jam. All right, so we went for a drive. Nothing unusual in that? No, but why'd you have to notice that big sedan was parked right in front of a truck and two guys were holding up the driver? Well, I always feel sorry for the guy on the other end of a gun. Yeah, but listen, boy, if you want to listen to... You two, Shorty, up high, way up. Yeah, yeah, all right. I cover, Mike. Okay. So the crack-up didn't kill you guys, huh? The boss sent us to find out. You have more lives than a cat, Blackie. Yes, I've got ten. That means you rats better look out. <laughs> hey, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful, Shorty. Uh, say, what are you mugs doing here? 
The boss didn't like the idea of you interfering with that hijack job last night. Oh, well, I don't like the idea of having my car wrecked either, Stooge. You ain't interested in what you like. We got a pretty good setup, Blackie. Well, I'm so glad. That's fine. Yeah, we got a lot of meat tied up, and we're getting good prices for it. Well, what do you want me to see me about? What, uh, what's the catch? The boss wants to know if you want in on the racket. What? Yeah. See, he don't want no more interference from you. That's the catch. Oh, black market, huh? Well, if I say no, what does the boss say? He says we should give you a little treatment. Oh, and by the way, who is your boss? Hmm. Never mind. Well, how do I know your boss is a reasonable guy? Hey, where are you going? Now, don't be scared, Stooge. You know, I always talk when I'm thinking. After all, you're the one that's got the gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, boys, I finished thinking. I guess I have no choice, huh? Well, tell the boss I'll go along with him. <laughs> now you're talking sense. Well, I guess that makes us partners, huh, boys? Uh, say, how about a little drink on that? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take a snort. Fine. I, I'm sorry. All I've got is bourbon. That's up there with me. Uh-huh. With, uh, with soda? Yeah, yeah. Well, come on, boys. I'll build you a couple. Say when, Steve. When? Look, uh, I gotta hold this gun on you, Blackie. It ain't that I'm uh, impolite. It's uh, just that I'm careful. <laughs> you flatter me. How much soda? Gee, I never had it with soda before. Really? You haven't? Well, you're going to get it. All right, Trey, I'll take care of this one. Okay, boss. Okay, I got his gun. Why, you... Now, take it easy, Steve. Now, cut out the nonsense. I've got your gun. Now, be a good boy. You wanted an answer for your boss, huh? Well, you have it. Now, get out of here. And in the future, boys, remember, never drink during business hours. Say, boss, did you know that it was 103 in needles yesterday? That's an enlightening breakfast conversation, Shorty. Thanks. Never mind, I'll get it. Boston Blackie? That's right. Sorry to serve you so early in the morning. Well, uh, won't you come in? Thank you. Uh, Shorty, another cup of coffee for Miss, um, uh... Parker. June Parker. Well, Miss Parker, you're, you're a charming eye-opener for so early in the morning. Boston Blackie, I need your help. And I'm glad to know you, too. As a matter of fact, you've already helped me. I have? Mm-hmm. My driver tells me you helped one of my trucks get through the other night. One of your trucks? Yes. Well, uh, I, I don't quite understand. <laughs> this may sound a little strange to you, but I have a ranch and I raise stock. Yeah. I sold a lot of cattle, only I can't deliver it to my customers. Oh, I see. And, and your trucks are being hijacked by that black market gang, huh? Yes. That's why I came to you. Will you help me get them through? <laughs> you know, that's the second offer to go in the meat business that I've had in the last 24 hours. Why don't you go to the police, Miss Parker? I'm sure Inspector Faraday would be glad to give you protection. I've gone to the police, but my trucks still aren't getting through. Oh, you're really in a jam. Uh, those black market thugs are worse than any racketeers we've ever had in this country. I've been offered any amount if I'd sell to the black market. But I won't, not for anything. Of course you won't. Then you'll help me? Now look, Miss Parker, it isn't only helping you, it's helping me. It's helping everybody. The black market is one of the biggest things we've ever been up against. And you're fighting that black market. You know, you're the kind of a girl who's helping win this war. Uh, coffee's ready, boss. Forget the coffee, Shorty. We've got a job to do. 
The biggest job we've ever done. That's you, Matthews? Yes, Inspector. Yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. Got to finish writing this letter. Hey, Matthews, how do you spell stupidity? Um, F-A-R-A-D-A-Y. F-A-R-A-D-A-Y. Oh, it's you, Blackie. <laughs> I should have known. Matthews can't spell. All right, what do you want here? I don't know. What have you got here? One of these days, we're going to have you here, in a cell. <laughs> Faraday, you're nothing but an idealist. <laughs> you know, I've been lonely. Uh... You haven't been bothering me lately. <laughs> What's the matter? Don't you love me anymore? I love you anymore. I love you like poison <laughs> ivy. What do you want, Blackie? Well, Faraday, my life has been threatened. <laughs> I want police protection. <laughs> You're wonderful. <laughs> you want police protection, Blackie. Stop now, wait a minute, Faraday. I'm serious. There's a gang after me, and they're not fooling. <laughs> Poor little Blackie. I'd like to see the gang that you couldn't handle. What is this, a gang? No, 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 wait a minute. I'm on the level. <laughs> Blackie, you're breaking my heart. You've never been on the level with me in your life, so why should I start believing you now? Oh. Oh, so you won't give me police protection, huh? Don't make me laugh. Okay, Faraday. That's all I wanted to know. Blackie wants protection. <laughs> no! Got him, Mike. I think get him into the car. Come on. Let's get out of here. Boston Blackie's on for a long trip. Well, it looks as though Boston Blackie's in a pretty tight spot, but Blackie is also a pretty resourceful individual, so just wait and see what happens. <laughs> Well, Boston Blackie, intent on breaking up a black market meat ring, was waylaid by thugs as he was leaving police headquarters where Inspector Faraday had just refused him police protection. Blackie has been thrown into a car. Hey, Steve, he's coming too. Must be this country air. Stop the car. Okay. Let's get this over with. Yeah, I'll take the gag out of his mouth. Yeah. Nobody can hear him out here. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I want to get my necktie back anyway. It's the best one I got. That girl gave it to me. She's a redhead. <laughs> Says it matches her hair. <laughs> you know, it's too bad she ain't a brunette. Yeah, you just don't like redheads. Hey, never mind putting on your tie now. Leave it there in the seat and let's get this job over with. Come on, Blackie. Can you talk? Well, what is this? The end of the line? No. This is where we transfer. Okay, boys. What's the score? Two to nothing and you're the nothing. Blackie, can you stand up? Oh, I'm not so sure. Well, you better stand up while you can, Blackie. You're going to be laying down for a long time. You have a charming sense of humor. You had a chance to join up with us, Blackie. You nixed it, and now you're getting rubbed out. Oh, boss's orders, huh? Yeah, and besides, it gives us a chance to get even for that soda trick yesterday. I see. Get over that fence, Blackie. <laughs> Say, what is this, an obstacle course? Yeah, you're the obstacle. Hey, Steve. Hey, what's that over there? Huh? Uh, nothing. It's just a cow. <laughs> that happens to be the cow's husband, gentlemen. Gee, a bull. Hey, if a bull sees red, he goes crazy. <laughs> what's the matter? You scared, Mike? 
Now we got to finish our job. Okay, Blackie? Anything you want to say? Any uh, last request? Well, um, well, I'd like to start running, gentlemen, if you don't mind, and I'm sure you would, too. What? Right. That ball's coming this way, and fast. Hey. Hey, he's after me. Hey, he's after me. Thanks for the gun, Steve. Hey, let's get out of here, will you? Don't worry, Steve. The bull's after Mike. You see, I stuck his own red necktie in his back pocket. Who's that? Uh, it's me, June. Boston Blackie. Oh, Blackie, just a minute. Yeah. Please come in. I'm glad to see you, Blackie. <laughs> Thanks. I'd like some information, June. These gents we're up against are playing a little rough. Blackie, what happened? Well, I went to Faraday for protection. He didn't believe I needed it. Next thing I knew, I was tapped on the head and ended up in a cow pasture playing matador. Blackie. Now, look, June, all I want to know is just one thing. You told me that somebody tried to get you to sell your cattle to the black market ring. I want to know who that somebody is. Well, uh, I can't tell you. I, I don't know. Well, if you're being afraid, don't be. I'll see that nothing happens to you. And it's also a little bit important that nothing happens to me, too. Now, look, all I want to know is, who approached you on that black market deal? Well, some men who said they represented a Mr. George Williams. Williams? Well, who's he? I don't know him. He has a wholesale meat plant on Johnson Street. Yeah. But, Blackie, I, I, I've never seen him. Quiet, June. Matter. The doorknob, it's turning. Oh. Now, I'll be in back of the door when it opens, but you keep on talking. Okay. Uh, but, Blackie, I... Oh, I don't know whether I can go to dinner with you or not. I, uh... Oh. Okay, drop those guns. Now, drop them fast. I'm right here in back of you. Better drop your gun, too, Steve. Well, you two matadors again, huh? <laughs> this is getting a little monotonous. How far did that bull chase you this morning? Uh, I'm a little fed up with you two guys. Uh, June. Yes, Blackie? Check the cord off those drapes. I want to tie up these two bullfighters. Then I've got to go over and see a man by the name of George Williams. Blackie, I, I'm afraid you I... You don't have to be afraid, June. Oh, when Blackie ties them up, they stay tied. And when I get through with this, you'd better call the police and have them pick up these mugs. Oh. And i got to work fast. Hey, Miss Parker, you ain't gonna call no police. What? What do you mean? And besides, you're gonna untie us right now. Or else, the boss won't like it. You, you mean Mr. Williams? No, Miss Parker. You see, uh, Williams ain't his name. His real name is Parker. Parker, yeah. George Parker, your brother. Now, will you untie our hands? I don't know what you're talking about, Blackie. I operate a legitimate business here. I sell only at ceiling prices. I came up here to tell you I'm tired of being kicked around by those two mugs of yours. And also that you're going to lay off June Parker. June Parker? Who's she? Well, she's the girl you've been threatening. You know, the one that owns the trucks you've been hijacking. But you won't do it anymore. You see, I'm taking you with me. You're taking me with you? That's right. You're going to be my insurance that from now on, this black market gang of yours is unemployed. What are you going to do with me? 
What's he going to do with you? He ain't going to do anything with Faraday, you. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I'll bet you are. Inspector, my secretary had the good sense to call you. And I'm glad you got here so fast. Mm-hmm. What's Boston Blackie been up to now? He held me here in my office at the point of a gun, oh. Inspector. <laughs> he was going to force me to go with him unless... Unless you... what? Unless I stopped selling meat at ceiling prices and went into the black market. Now, wait a minute, Faraday. That's ridiculous. You know that can't be right. I don't know nothing. Oh, you know a thing or two. You're just being modest. I'm a reputable merchant, Inspector. I've been in business for years. This blackie person wanted me to make this plant his headquarters for illegal meat sales. Now, Faraday, listen. He claims I pulled a gun on him. I don't even have a gun. It was in his hand when you came in that door, Inspector. With blackie, that don't make any difference. He can make anything disappear. Thanks. Someday I hope he goes to work on himself. This Williams is head of a black market ring. Oh, that's not true. Not only that, but he's got a couple of thugs that have an obsession about my collecting old age pens. That's ridiculous. Oh. Please take Blackie with the inspector. I'll prefer chances. Now, wait a minute, Inspector. <laughs> I know I've tricked you, and we've been playing hide and go seek for years. Go on. But I've never gone back on my word, now have I? That's right. And I'm not going to try any tricks. <laughs> I just want you to come with me to a young lady's apartment. Oh, now, Now, right. really, I want you to meet two friends of Mr. Williams. Hmm. And if I can't prove that my story is true, well, I'll, I'll go downtown with you. Now, nothing could be fairer than that. Mm, yeah, sounds all right. But then you can make anything sound okay. You want me to see a gal who'll set me right on this whole thing? That's right. Okay, Blackie. I'll give you a chance to square yourself, but remember, this better not be a runaround. This is the apartment, Inspector. Come on in. Who is it? Oh, it's me, June. It's Blackie. I'm here with Inspector Faraday. Hmm? Who? Inspector Faraday. Wait a minute. I'm coming. Well, hello. Hello, hmm? June. Uh, would you mind telling the inspector about that black market ring that threatened you? What black market ring? Well, you know that the... June. I'm Miss Parker. And who are you? That's all, Blackie. I've heard enough. June. Now, what happened to those two men I left tied up here at your apartment? Inspector, who is this man? Don't you know? He says he's a very dear friend of yours. Why, I've never seen him before in my life. (laughs) And now, will you excuse me, please? Okay, Blackie. We made a deal. This gal who was supposed to explain everything claims you never saw you before. Come on, let's go. No, I can't go with you, Inspector. I've I've got to find out what this is all about. Sorry, Blackie. Figured out while you're waiting trial. Faraday, will you listen? This girl is lying, and I can prove it. If you give me time. Give you... I'll give you time, Blackie. You're coming with me. And keep your hands where I can see them. Now, come on over here to the telephone. I'm going to get you an escort downtown. Okay, Inspector, but you're making a great mistake. According to you, I always make them. So what's the difference? Remember, Blackie, I'm keeping my eye and my gun on you. Get me, please, headquarters. Blackie, stop playing with that telephone cord. You make me nervous. I'm not playing with it, Inspector. Get down off my gun, Blackie. I stabbed you twisting that gun. You're breaking my wrist. I'm sorry, Inspector. Now let go of the gun. You're going back on your word. Yeah, that's You're going back on your word now. You never did that before. I'm sorry, but I've got to be free to get the head of that black market ring. And put a ring right through his nose. Shorty. Hey, open up, will you, boss? Wait a minute. 
come in, Shorty. Well, I... Oh. Oh, what are you doing here? Well, she made me bring her down here to your waterfront hideout, boss. Well, that's fine. What do you mean she made you? She came to the apartment. She was crying. Oh. Boss, you know I can't stand to see a poor dame cry. Blackie, you've got to listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to you once. I know. I lied to Inspector Faraday, but I had to. Well, that's fine. Why don't you tell it to Faraday? I can't tell Inspector Faraday I lied. I can't. You can't do this. You can't do that. You sound like the Summer Sisters. Uh, why did you make Shorty bring you down here? So that I could beg you to please forget all about me and the black market ring. Oh, well, forgetting about you will be a pleasure. I don't blame you for feeling that way. But believe me, it's for the good of everyone for you to forget about all this. Believe you? <laughs> Are you kidding? You almost did once. Yeah, I almost died once, too. And I've no desire to try that again, either. You wanted to help me when I was in trouble, Blackie. I'm still in trouble. But the only way you can help me now is to drop this whole black market case. Mm -hmm. And you're the girl I thought was going to help win the war. Oh, Blackie, please. <laughs> Joan, there's no point in your coming here to see me. But... George, I didn't even know you were here in the city. And then to find out what you're doing. How in the world did you ever get started on Just this? Just why should I explain that to you, Jim? I can't understand you. And Dad couldn't either. When you ran away from the ranch five years ago, you broke Dad's heart. And not, not hearing from you after that didn't help any. I don't see why you should complain. Dad left the ranch to you, didn't he? Yes, but what else could he do? But it's worked out all right anyway. You've done a good job, Joan, raising good cattle. That's helped me in my business. The black market, George. You call that a business? I don't go for those names. All I know is I'm making money. And incidentally, Joan, it wasn't in my plans that you should know who I am. And it's your own fault that you do. You got mixed up with this Boston Blackie and I had something to do about it. Well, well, this is convenient, finding the two of you here together. Boston Blackie. Blackie. Well, now who wants to talk first? You, Williams? I got nothing to say to you, Boston Blackie. Oh, I see. How about you, Jean? I, I can't tell you anything. Well, let me tell you then. Williams, you ought to pick smarter stooges. Or I might say you ought to pick a dumb stooge, one who can't talk. You see, uh, Steve talked. With a little persuasion, of course, but he talked. So, Williams, I know that you're really Parker, June's brother. But, Blackie, I... Now, June, I that explains a great deal, too. Of course, you made Faraday very happy by pretending not to know me, but you didn't make me very happy. Oh, please, Blackie, you've got to listen to me. Look, I didn't know that my brother was going under the name of Williams. And when I found out, I was so stunned, I didn't know what to do. Except I knew I couldn't turn him over to the police. Now I know he deserves to be. Well, sister, I got it, huh? Yes, I think so. Blackie, you said it was very convenient having two of us here. Well, I think it's very convenient having the two of you here. This gun is very convenient, too. But I'm not bothered it. Georgie. Georgie, did anyone ever tell you what happens to little boys who play with fire? Both of you stuck your noses into my business. June always did, and I'm used to that. In any way, she's my sister, but I don't have to take her from you, Boston Blackie. Well, you have something there, Georgie. Not to mention a gun. Uh, June, would you please leave the room? If I'm right in supposing what your charming brother intends to do with me, it, uh, well, it won't be very pretty. George, you wouldn't. Now, please, June, do as I say. But Blackie... Please, I... June. Oh, it's all my fault. I got you into this. I, I didn't know that... Oh, my old brother. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Blackie, I, I thought... You know, June, for a man raised on a ranch, your brother isn't very quick on the trigger. Oh. Personally, I'm very glad because it gave me a chance to show him his mistake. Blackie, what did you do to George? Can I see him? Well, a little later, he, he's busy right now, you see... He's got a thousand pounds of steaks hanging in this wholesale plant, and he's looking for one little piece of beef to put on his eye. Yeah, Blackie, I guess I'll forget about you going back on your word. Ha <laughs> Good old inspector. <laughs> I had a pretty good reason, you know. Yeah, I know. Anyway... You broke up this black market ring and I get the credit. Thanks. You know, sometimes I find it kind of hard to hate you. Well, keep trying, Inspector. You know, you're much prettier with a worried look on your face. <laughs> you know, this kind of, this thing kind of calls for a celebration, Blackie. Yeah. You and I break up a black market gang and a million people can buy beef at reasonable prices. What do you think we ought to do? Well, let's see, Inspector. Um, how about coming up to the apartment for a home-cooked steak dinner? Shall I bring anything? Yes. Points. Boston Blackie will be back in just a moment with an interesting preview of next week's program. Meanwhile, let's see now. Uh, there are the dishes, the floors, the woodwork, the tiles, sink, windows. Hey, I could keep this up for hours. Listing the jobs at Rinso will make easier for you. Yes, those same soapy rich suds that are such a help when it comes to washing clothes are great for all the soap and water jobs around the house. So be sure to get Rinso tomorrow, ladies, for dishes, housework, and to keep you singing through wash day like this. Rinso white, Rinso white, happy little wash day song. Rinso white, Rinso white. Dirty thing it all day long. Your fine feather fan has a message to send, so listen, you can't go wrong. Rinse white, rinse white, happy little wash day song. Yeah, Matthews, yeah, I know the guy's dead. You said that. Now listen, did you find the gun? Sure, we found it. It was hooked up inside the radio. When the guy turned the set on, it fired the gun. I get it. Hey, hey, was the telephone receiver off the hook? Sure, when we broke down the door. Hey, Inspector, how could you know that? Just so happens, that's the way a guy was killed in a play I've been watching. Somebody lifted the idea, and I've got an idea who that somebody was. Yeah? Who, Inspector? The man who's backing this play, a fellow by the name of Boston Blackie. <laughs> Tough luck, ladies. I mean, about choice cuts of lamb going back on rationing. Means you've got to be smarter than ever at figuring ways to fix the meals your families want. Especially since you don't have as many points as you used to. Well, the smartest thing to do is to get extra points by turning in waste fats. You know, your meat dealer will give you cash and two red points for every pound you turn in. So get going. You'll be doing yourself a favor and your country an important service. For used fats are urgently needed for military medicines, armaments, and a host of things so necessary to win this war. Strain every drop into any tin can, no glass containers, please, and turn them in as soon as you have a pound. <laughs> Be sure to listen at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie. 
You can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater. Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Richard Lane appears as Inspector Faraday. Music by Charles Cornell. This is Harlow Wilcox saying goodnight for Boston Blackie. Brought to you by the makers of Rinso, the soap that gets clothes. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dimension X, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with a visit with the Aldrich Family, a popular radio teenage situation comedy that ran from 1939 to 1953. The creation of playwright Clifford Goldsmith, Henry Aldridge began on Broadway as a minor character in Goldsmith's play, What a Life, produced and directed by George Abbott. And What a Life ran for 538 performances. The Broadway cast included Eddie Bracken, Betty Field, and Butterfly McQueen. The actor who brought Henry to life on stage was 20-year-old Ezra Stone, who was billed near the bottom as the 20th actor in the cast. And when Rudy Valley saw the play, he asked Goldsmith to adapt it into some sketches for his radio program. And this was followed in 1938 by a 39-week run of a sketch comedy series on the Kate Smith Hour, with Stone continuing in the role of Henry. Now, Kate Smith's director, Bob Welsh, is credited uh, with the creation of the Henry, Henry Aldridge, and then the answering, Coming Mother which eventually became one of the most famous signature sounds on radio. And finding an audience with Kate Smith's listeners, uh, the Aldrich family was launched into its own series as a summer replacement program for Jack Benny on NBC's Sunday Night Lineup. It stayed there till October the 1st of 1939 until it eventually found its own time slot. And the show was a top ten ratings hit. With two years of its birth in uh, 1941, the show carried a 33.4 Crosley rating that landed it solidly alongside Jack Benny and Bob Hope. Earning $3,000 a week, Goldsmith was the highest paid writer in radio. And his show became a prototype for the teen-oriented situation comedies that followed on radio and television. As far as the guy who played the lead role as Henry Ezra Stone, well, he kept the lead role until 1942 when he entered the Army for World War II. Tonight's episode is entitled Broken Toy. The Aldridge Family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. Henry! Henry Aldridge! Coming, Mother! The everyday life of an average teenage boy like Henry Aldrich is always a highly involved affair. And no matter how hard his parents try, they rarely seem to simplify things. The scene opens on Kathleen Anderson's front porch. It is Saturday afternoon. Ring the doorbell, Homer. Boy, Henry, if Kathleen's father had barred me from their house for three weeks, I wouldn't come running back on my hands and knees. Homer, Mr. Anderson had every right. He did. Well, sure. 
Quiet, Homer. I hear someone coming. Wipe your feet. Before we even know if we're welcome. Oh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Anderson. Good afternoon, Mr. Anderson. Uh, it's a nice afternoon, isn't it? It is? Yes, sir. It's such a nice afternoon, we thought, why not come over and pass the time of day with good old Kathleen? I see. And her family. Well, you're here, so come in. Kathleen Henry is here. He is? Well, my goodness, tell him I'll be down in just a second. She'll be down in just a second. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Well. Well. It's a nice afternoon. It's, It's good seeing you again, Mr. Anderson. Again? Oh, yes, it's been nearly a week since you've been here, hasn't it? Why, uh... I think it's closer to three. You don't say? Uh-huh. Time certainly passes quickly under favorable conditions. <laughs> did I mention that it's a very nice afternoon? You did. Now, if you'll excuse me. You're leaving, Mr. Anderson? It's such a nice afternoon, I think I'll go down in the basement. Oh, Mr. Anderson. Yes, Henry? I just thought you'd like to know that this time I plan to keep an eye on my elbows every minute I'm here. Fine. Homer, stop walking around. I told you to keep your eyes on your feet. I am, Henry. Gee whiz, I know exactly where they are. (laughs) Which is the lamp you broke? The table lamp there. No kidding. Gee, you can hardly tell it's been damaged. Homer, before it ran into my elbows, it was a floor lamp. (laughs) Oh, gee, no wonder things get broken. Look at this toy lying here on the edge of the coffee table, right where anyone could knock it off. Homer, put it down. It probably belongs to Kathleen's little brother. I'm just moving it to a spot where it won't cause any trouble. But Homer... Oh, boy. Homer. Henry, it went off by itself. Oh, stop it. How? Whack that button. Gently. Oh, boy. Henry! Oh, gee whiz. Yes, Kathleen? Would you please see who's on the phone? The phone? Kathleen, I think it must have been a wrong number. Homer, put that toy back where it was. Sure, Henry. Oh, do you happen to know where this little man goes in the spring? Gee whiz, Homer, where did they come from? Henry, I give you my word. I just picked the toy up and it came apart in my hand. Well, fix it, Homer, fix it, or I'll never be able to look him in the face again. Henry, if worse came to worse, you could tell him I broke it. You? I don't mind not looking him in the face again. That wouldn't help, Homer. He always lumps us together. Now, Bob, come along. Oh, boy, it's Mrs. Anderson. Homer, grab the toy and let's beat it. Beat it, but we just came. Homer, we have to fix it before Mr. Anderson finds out. And this is no place to do it. Bob! Quick, hide the toy under your jacket. Henry, quit. I'm ticklish. Here. (laughs) Well, hello, boys. Hello, Mrs. Anderson. Hello, Mrs. Anderson. Homer, aren't you putting on a little weight? Wait. I guess it's the way I'm built. More or less. Well, sit down, boys, and make yourselves comfortable. Sit down? Why, uh, we were... We were just thinking of stepping out for a breath of air. Sure. I always take a breath about now. (laughs) Shall I tell Kathleen you'll be right back? Why, why, that depends on how quickly... uh, That depends... That depends. Come on, Homer. It's been nice seeing you again. Bob, you shouldn't have mentioned Homer's weight. The Browns are very sensitive about their shapes. That's strange. It's gone. What is? Herbert's toy. I put it here on the coffee table while I went down to the basement for a screwdriver. 
Is that why I found you working that jigsaw puzzle? I wasn't working it. I just happened to open it and... Phyllis, does this piece look like an ear or a mountain? Looks more like a part of a horse to me. Now, Bob, I want you to find that toy and fix it. Every time Herbert picks it up, it practically comes apart in his hand. Alice! Yes, Sam? Who was that on the phone? The phone? No one, dear. I thought I heard it ring. It must have been your imagination. Now, Alice, you're not suggesting I'm hearing things. Yes, Mary? please tell Henry to respect my property? Mary, your nail file is family property. Henry Aldrich, what a terrible thing to say. Mary, if Henry's finally come to the point where he'd like to use a nail file, I don't think we should stand in his way. But that's just (laughs) it, Mother. He doesn't intend to use it for his nails. What's that? Look, Mother, there's a quick repair job Homer and I are doing in the kitchen, and a nail file's just the tool we need. In that case, Henry, I'm afraid Mary's within her right. Yes, and I stand on it. Okay, Mary, okay. But just wait until you want to use my baseball bat. Your baseball bat? Sure, to bang together her vanity table. Homer! Mary, did you hear the phone ringing a few minutes ago? Mary's nail file is out. I swear I heard a bell. Henry, why don't we just give up trying to fix this toy and throw ourselves on Mr. Anderson's mercy? But, Homer, we're making progress. We are. Sure. Henry, how many springs were loose when we left the Andersons ten minutes ago? One. How many are loose now? Three. I wouldn't call that progress. But we got the little man back on, didn't we? Sure. But he's standing on his head. (laughs) Homer, if he fits on that way, it must be right. Besides, I think a couple of the springs go in here like this. You see? What about that one? Gee, that one could go any place. Here, for instance. Well, I'll be darned. Henry, you did it. I did? It's fixed. It must be. There aren't any springs left. Gee, even the bell works. Well, what do you know? Henry, I never realized it before, but you've got a head. Well, never mind that, Homer. Now, let's hurry and get it back into Kathleen's house before anyone notices it's gone. Come on upstairs. Okay, what for? I've got a swell shoebox up there. We can smuggle it back in. Operator, I distinctly heard the phone ring just now. Father, could Homer and I please pass? Oh, just a moment, Operator. There. Thank you, Father. Homer, we've got to get back to Kathleen. Now, see here, operator. This is the second time this afternoon my phone is rung and there's been nobody there. I'll notify our repair department, sir. I wish you would. Goodbye. Sam, what's the matter? You're all flush. You'd think the phone company would arrange it so that when a phone rings, there'd be someone at the other end. Oh? What do you mean by a statement like that? Nothing, dear. Only, don't you think perhaps you've been working a little too hard recently? Alice, are you inferring... Are you... Don't be ridiculous. There. There it goes again. Sam, that's the doorbell. Oh. Mother, the back door's ringing. Yes, dear. Would you please see who it is? I'm talking to your father. All right, Mother. Alice, if you're going to talk to anyone, talk to the phone company. Uh, Dear, I'm not married to the phone company. Coming! Oh! How do you do, miss? Oh, my goodness, officer. What did we do? What did we do? Uh, Well, miss, the... Police department is collecting old clothes and toys for Christmas bundles. Well, my goodness. Come in. <laughs> Thanks. Now, let's see. Let's see what could I possibly give you. Would you be interested in some old pots and pans? No. Well, let's see. Uh, something like that old toy there on the kitchen table would be perfect. My 
goodness, where did this come from? It must be one of Henry's old ones. But I'm sure he'd be delighted to donate it to such a worthy cause. Here. Thanks a lot. Well, goodbye. Goodbye. And, officer, wouldn't you like to leave your phone number? I mean, in case I run into any more old things. And once and for all, you're not going to spread that jigsaw puzzle on my dining room table. Why not? Because you promised to fix Herbert's toy. But Phyllis, I've looked all over for it, and I can't find it. Oh, my goodness, Mother, where is he? Where did he go? Who, Kathleen? Henry, I can't find him anywhere. Oh, he left 15 minutes ago, dear, and he hasn't come back. Father, hmm? you didn't say anything to Henry to drive him away, did you? I, I hardly said two words to him. That's it, then, that's he thought you were still mad this at him. This piece here must be hair. I found part of a nose. Father, aren't you listening to or me? Or is it the trunk of a tree? Father, how can you play with that childish puzzle when you may be driving a son-in-law right out of my life? What's that? Mother, stranger things have happened. And I think the least Father can do is to let Henry know he didn't mean what he said. Very well, Kathleen. I'll talk to him. I'll answer the phone. Only if it's Henry, I'll just die of embarrassment. Phyllis, where's the top of the box this puzzle came in? Now, Bob... Hello? Look, Kathleen. Henry, is that you? Sure. And look, something terrible's just happened. Mary's just ruined everything. Henry, what are you talking about? Look, look, Kathleen, the reason I suddenly left your house this afternoon... Henry, I know all about that. You do? Yes, and just as soon as my father calms down, he's going to speak to you. Oh, boy. I guess I better go straight down to the police department. What? Goodbye. Henry, wait! Whatever my father said, I'm sure he didn't mean it. But, Henry, I'm allergic to police stations. But, Homer, we just have to get Herbert's toy back, and that's all there is to it. I know, only these pictures on the walls give me the willies. Just don't look at them. I can't help looking at them. Say, Henry, look at this dead or alive picture. Doesn't it look familiar? It does? Sure. If you shave off the mustache, it looks just like one of our teachers. Which one? Miss Eggleston. Palmer. Well, uh, who'd want to give $500 to get Miss Eggleston back? Here's the room where the sergeant said they're keeping the toys. Larceny squad. Come on. Okay. But I'm expecting your father to defend me. For nothing. Boy, are we in luck, Homer. There's no one in here. Gee, look at all the toys. Look at all the toys. Homer, stop playing with them. I'm not. But isn't this a swell steam shovel? Homer, look. There's Herbert's toy. Wait. At the bottom of the pile. See the little man poking out alongside that tank? Oh, boy. Grab it, Henry. It's stuck under something. Henry, look out. Hello there, boys. Homer. Homer, it's a policeman. We'll get life. <laughs> Look, officer. Bringing some toys down for our drive? Why, why, in a way we are. Well, that's fine. Say, do you boys have a little extra time? Time? What for? Well, these toys have to be packed in barrels and sent to the firehouses, and I could use a little help. Well, I... It'll only take a few minutes. Just drop that toy you have there in this barrel and... But, officer, you... Just... Don't argue. Drop it. Oh, boy. That's it. Now, let's start packing the rest of the toys on top of it. On top of it? Yes, sir. And away they go. 
Getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Early this afternoon, Henry and Homer took a toy from Kathleen Anderson's house under the misapprehension that they had broken it. When they finally repaired it, Mary inadvertently gave it away to the police toy drive. The scene opens in the Centerville Emporium. It is later the same afternoon. Henry, if it were up to me, I'd let Mr. Anderson get mad and save my money. Homer, I can't. Suppose someday Kathleen and I get... Kathleen and I get... Get what? Never mind. But you wouldn't want me to go through my married life not talking to my father-in-law, would you? Why not? That sounds like a nice arrangement. (laughs) Besides, how do you know we can buy another toy exactly like her? Homer, we can at least try. Here's the toy counter. Gee, look at the swell stuff, Hen. Homer, put that thing down. Haven't you learned your lesson yet? I'm just admiring the construction. What do you think this button is for? Oh, boy. Homer, now look what you've done. I hardly touched it, Hen. It came right apart in my hand. May I help you, young man? Wait. I just picked this up, see, and... Oh, yes, that's one of the cleverest toys that's come into the store in a long time. You just touch that button and it comes apart in your hands. It does. It does? And when you push it again, everything snaps right back into place. Children have the grandest time putting it together and letting it fall apart again. I can see where they would. Uh, May I wrap one up for you? (laughs) Why, no, thanks. What we're looking for is a toy that has a sort of a little man on top, see? What does it do? Do? Mostly it just rings. Well, there is one under the counter here that... uh... Is it something like this? Oh, boy, Homer, that's it. You're very lucky, sir. It's the last one like it we have in stock. We'll take it, miss. How much is it? It's, uh... Oh, excuse me a minute while I check the price. Henry, you're set. Homer, duck. What's wrong? Look who's coming down that aisle. Mr. Anderson. Homer, quick, over this way. But the toy. We can come back and get it later. Hurry. That'll be one dollar and forty-nine. Young man, where are you going? <sighs> I declare. Excuse me, miss. Weren't there two boys here a moment ago? Why, yes. They just disappeared into notions. Oh. May I help you with anything else? Well, uh, as a matter of fact, the, the reason I'm shopping... Uh, You sell jigsaw puzzles, don't you? Why, yes. We're having a wonderful sale right now. Oh, I don't want to buy one. I I just thought, um, well, you see the puzzle in this box here? Yes. Well, we seem to have lost the cover with a picture on it, and I I wondered, could you sort of look over the pieces and give me a hint as to what it's supposed to turn out to be? No, I'm afraid I can't do that, sir. Oh. But if you'd like to leave it here for a few weeks, we could put our research department to work on it. Oh, never mind. Excuse me, miss, but would you... Hello, Mr. Anderson. Hello, Mary. Uh, Say, if you run into Henry, would you tell him I'd like him to phone me? Henry and I aren't speaking, Mr. Anderson, but I'll see that he gets the message. Is it important? Well, um, Kathleen wanted me to apologize to him. My goodness, what for? That's what I don't know. Well, goodbye, Mary, and thanks for your help, miss. That's quite all right, sir. Now, may I help you, madam? Well, there was a certain toy of my brother's, you see, and I gave it away and... Well, my goodness, you'd think he'd know it was for a wonderful cause. Well, what was this toy like? Well, it, it had a little man on top, you see, and a bell that rang. And... 
it wouldn't hurt for you to take a few days off. Alice, I tell you I'm fine. Of course you are, dear. I wasn't insinuating that... I just meant that when you start to hear bells, isn't that the first sign of... Uh, the first sign of... Sign of what? Uh, nothing, Sam. Uh, suppose you just lie down and I'll make you some hot tea with some honey in it. Honey makes me lose my appetite. Yes, Sam, but it lines your stomach. <laughs> Henry, is that you? Yes, Mother. My goodness, what have you two boys been doing? You look all worn out. Why, we took sort of a bicycle ride, Mother. But they didn't have any in Abbott City either. All the way to Abbott City? My goodness. Oh, I'm making your father some tea. Would you boys like some hot milk? Hot milk? Henry, I think I'll go home. (laughs) I almost forgot, Henry. Mary asked me to give you this package. Mary and I aren't speaking, Mother. We've broken off diplomatic relationships. Now, dear, I think this is a peace offering. Homer, would you like some butter in that hot milk? Butter? Well, Mrs. Aldrich, do you happen to have some strawberry syrup? I think so. And some club soda? Yes. Swell, and you can forget about the milk. (laughs) My goodness, you children never know what's good for you. Henry, aren't you going to open it? Open what? Mary's present and see what she's offering for peace. Homer, it's probably just a couple of handkerchiefs. Henry, who do you suppose bought that toy right out from under? I don't know. Boy, I sure wish I could lay my hands on it. Homer, what's ringing? I think it's Mary's handkerchief. Henry, it's the toy. Oh, boy. Homer, stop the bell. I can't. The button's stuck. Here, jam my fountain pen against it. Okay. Henry, where do you suppose Mary got her hands on this? Who cares? The important thing is we're all set. Henry! Oh, boy, Homer, duck that toy back in the box quick. It's ducked. Henry! Henry, you boys heard it that time, didn't you? Why, you heard what, Father? The phone ring. I didn't hear any phone ring. <laughs> you didn't? Sam, your tea's ready. Alice, would you mind ringing it upstairs? Upstairs? I think the best thing for me to do is go right to bed. <laughs> Quiet, Homer Henry, are you sure the Andersons are in the dining room? Sure, they're eating So, help me set up this stepladder under the living room window Then all you have to do is climb up, open the window, and drop the toy in Me? Why me? Homer, you mean you're scared? Sure. Homer. Henry, I helped you fix the toy and I pumped my head off to Abbott City, but I draw the line on falling off ladders. How could you fool? I'd manage. (laughs) Okay, Homer, okay. I'll go up. Just hold the ladder steady. I am. When I get up, toss me the toy. Henry, who's that? Just Kathleen's dog, Daisy. And stop rattling the ladder. But, Henry, Daisy's resented me ever since she caught me eating one of her dog biscuits. <laughs> Daisy, I apologize. I apologize. Homer, you're knocking me off. Get down, Daisy. Homer, never mind Daisy. Toss up the toy. Henry, she's got my pants. Come on, toss up the toy. There. Oh, boy. Didn't you have the window open yet? <laughs> Homer, quick, run. Daisy, let go. Who's there, I say? Homer. She won't let go. Daisy, please stop being a dog in the manger.
take plenty of warm socks, dear. Alice, I'm only going to be gone a few days. Sam, it won't hurt to take an extra pair. Very well. And, dear, I just want you to know I think you're doing the right thing. There's nothing like a fishing trip to get bells off your mind. Alice, that has nothing to do with it. I just heard that the bass were running, and I thought... Well, I thought... Yes, dear, if you say so. I'll get your socks for you. I wonder if Will Brown would be interested in going along. Henry, is that you? Why, yes, Mother. Has has there been a phone call for Homer or I recently? From whom, dear? Anyone. Mr. Anderson, say? No, dear, no one's called. Homer, how did you get your pocket torn? My pocket? Gee whiz, I guess Daisy did that. Daisy? My goodness, young ladies nowadays don't behave the way they used to. (laughs) You'd better both sit down and cool off. Boy, Henry, feel my heart. It's beating. Mine, too. Homer, do you think Mr. Anderson recognized us? If he did, he certainly would have phoned by now. Oh, boy. Henry, that must be him. Henry, please answer the phone. Aye, Mother. Please, dear, I've got socks on my mind. But, gee, Mother, I'm... I'm not cooled off yet. Henry, please answer the phone. But it might be a wrong number. Henry! Yes, Mother. Hello? Hello? Is that you, Henry? Oh, boy. Yes, Kathleen? Henry, I'm phoning on behalf of my father. You are? Just a minute, Kathleen. Homer, Mr. Anderson asked her to phone. I'm going home. (laughs) You can at least give me a little moral support. I can do that just as well from home. (laughs) Hello, Kathleen. About your father. My goodness, Henry. He's been trying to get his hands on you all day. I know, Kathleen. Henry, do you mind if I apologize for him? Sure, but if you do what for him? Apologize for being so rude to you this afternoon. Kathleen, you mean... Well, I'll be darned. Homer, Mr. Anderson's been after me just to apologize. What? Henry, have you disappeared again? No, no, Kathleen, I'm right here, (laughs) I think. My father would apologize personally, only he's very upset right now. Upset? Yes, someone stole one of Herbert's toys and then threw it back through our living room window. Oh, who did a thing like that? (laughs) That's what made him so mad, he doesn't know. He doesn't? Well... Isn't that too bad? <laughs> Look, Kathleen, d- d- tell him not to worry. I know where he can get a pane of glass cheap. For nothing, in fact. Oh, but that isn't what he's really mad about. You see, when the toy came through the window, it broke up his jigsaw puzzle. It did? And he's simply furious. He was almost positive it was going to turn out to be Ulysses S. Grant. Oh. Well, the Canadian Rockies. Huh? So can I tell him you accept his apology? Sure, Kathleen. Gee whiz, that's the least I can do. Oh, that's very nice of you, Henry. And you can come over and see me tomorrow. Oh, boy. <laughs> sure. Goodbye. Goodbye. Boy, Homer. Henry, I've never seen anyone so lucky. I'll say. Henry, how would you boys like to go fishing with me? Me, Father? I sort of thought it might be nice to have company. You've been asking to go for years. Oh, gee, Father, I'd like to. Only, do you think I ought to leave town just when I've cemented my relationships with Mr. Anderson? I'd be glad to go, Mr. Aldrich. On second thought, I'll probably have a good time alone. <laughs> but thanks just the same, Father. Sure, thanks, Mr. Aldrich. Well, i better go home, hen, old-timer. Okay, I'll walk you to the door. Thanks. Oh, before I forget, Homer, where's my fountain pen? What fountain pen? That I gave you to stick in the toy to keep it from rain. Henry, I never took it out. <laughs> oh. 
you mean it's still stuck in the toy? I guess so. The one that went through the window and landed on Mr. Anderson's jigsaw? On his what? Oh, boy. Henry, what are you getting so excited about? That pen only cost you 50 cents. 60, Homer. It cost me 10 cents extra to have my name engraved on it. Your name? Oh, boy. Henry, Mr. Anderson wants to speak to you on the phone. He does? Well, look, Mother, would you please tell him I can't talk to him now? I'm just about to leave on a fishing trip with Father. Well, gee whiz, Willie Marshall, Willie, 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 where'd you come from? Henry, let's pretend we don't see him. Okay, if that's your attitude, I was going to lend you this pair of hip boots to go fishing with your father, Henry, but now fat chance. Hip boots? Well, Willie, I apologize. Oh, no. But Willie... Don't even coax me. But Willie, if you lend me those hip boots, I'll even ask you over for Supper? Supper? What's in it for me? What's for dessert? Well, what a question. With the Aldrich family, it's sure to be one of those luscious, shimmering Jell-O desserts. They're a treat to eat in all six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Yes, you just can't beat Jell-O for tempting fruit-like flavor. Because every Jell-O flavor is rich with that famous locked-in goodness. Flavor sealed right in so it can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. No wonder Jell-O is America's favorite gelatin dessert. So look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O, and Jell-O spells a treat. And this is Dan Seymour in New York saying the Aldrich family is brought to you by the Jell-O family. Four desserts that are delicious. Boy, believe me, you should know. They are made by famous J-E-L-L. Oh! Stay tuned for Boston Blackie next on Theater of the Mind. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.